Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got some football news to talk about. We'll talk about the 2022 final class rankings now that signing day has officially come and gone. The class has been finalized. We'll talk about Bobby Ingram's introduction as offensive coordinator, what kind of stood out in his presser. We'll talk about the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Bowl, and then we'll get into and continue our series on uh, position depth charts. We'll get into the tight end room today. And then in the back of the show, we'll talk some basketball. We'll recap what was not the prettiest basketball game in that Penn State-Wisconsin contest, especially in the first half. And then we'll look ahead a little bit to Michigan State as the Badgers have a rematch with them this upcoming week. So it should be a nice full episode for you guys. A little football, a little basketball to get your week started. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it was uh, overall, it was nice to see the Badgers get a win, but uh, the, the way they got there wasn't necessarily pretty. <laughs> the old mantra, a win is a win, could never <laughs> never be used in a more perfect spot because it wasn't pretty, but at the end of the season, we look back, that will still be a game that's in the win column versus the loss column, and, and that game really was tight throughout most of it. It was low scoring. It wasn't pretty, but to come away um, as a victor in that one is important, especially when you look at Anytime in the Big Ten, it's uh, it's a grind, and, and that certainly was one, but the Badgers came away um, with the W, which is much more important. Before we get into basketball, though, let's talk some football. We'll, we'll start with the 2022 class rankings. Of course, signing day, not a lot of action for Wisconsin. Chris Brooks Jr. was the big piece that we talked about on last episode. Most of the action was early signing day. They had the class pretty well buttoned up, other than a few odds and ends, like Brooks um, at the end. He, he gets locked down for the 15th spot in that 2022 scholarship group. What do you make of this class overall? I know the, the feelings for some people are, are somewhat disappointment. I know we've kind of talked about that with some of the in-state guys, but overall I still think there's some nice pieces in this group, maybe not as you know high as ranking as the last couple classes, but I still think there are some nice foundational pieces that you need in this 2022 class. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is this is a, a class that isn't going to wow you with star power or um, or anything like that. But I do think that there's some really solid pieces that, um, if they develop the way that you hope they do, you're, you're going to be just fine. And I think that um, some of these guys are really um, guys that that have a, a lot of upside. You look at guys like Barrett Nelson, JTC Graves, Aiden Vaughn. Those are all players that um, kind of came on later in their high school careers and are guys that you're projecting forward as players that could really take a huge jump. Um, then you have a stud like Austin Brown at safety. I think in my eyes, um, you know, Brunner, Ham are probably your, your top two star-wise, but Austin Brown might be the best player in this class um, just from an athletic standpoint and what he can do to differentiate himself at the safety position. So there's definitely pieces. I, I think you would have liked to have hit on a couple more guys, especially those in-state ones that are going to hurt. Um, but this this is one where you you lost some, some recruiting resources. You were going through the pandemic. You were still trying to figure out some different things involving the, um, the transfer portal, which 
Badgers actually kind of did a, a, some really good damage there to help it out, which really kind of bolsters this class overall. And and I, I think you you just move forward with it, and we'll see what they can do with that 2023 group because I do think that that's going to be a big class for them um, in terms of you're going to start seeing less guys using that COVID waiver. You're going to be seeing things being a little bit closer to normal, um, and, and we'll see what the Badgers can do with most of the kids going to be coming from outside of the state. Yeah, yeah. This 2023 group is really an interesting one, and I think here's the, the situation where you want to – you, you like the guys they have at the top. Obviously, Joe Brunner and, and Isaac Ham are, you would think, are going to be studs. I agree with you, Austin Brown. If When it's all said and done, he could be the best player in this class. I know he's only ranked as, you know, on 247, it's a three-star kid. Some outlets a four-star. If you watch the tape on him, you can see that looks like uh, a much higher-rated kid than maybe a three-star, maybe a, a four-star that way because he's just got so much athletic prowess. And, and really – I know the rankings, you know, you look at the Big Ten rankings last year, you know, three this year coming in at 11. It's not it, – that's a, a tough jump to see. But at the same time, you hope that you can look at some of these players and they'll develop into more. Wisconsin has always been done, known for that in the past. They've had classes like this, and, and they've had guys that really surprise. And I think that's what you kind of have to hope for with this group, that some of these guys that maybe aren't on the, the big radars in terms of these recruiting services, in terms of, you know, three-star guys – develop into more. Austin Brown is a guy that certainly could do that. You know, you've got, you like JTC Graves, frame-wise, potential-wise, you can see that there just needs to develop into something. Tommy McIntosh, 6'5", 203. There's plenty of athletic kids that you can see the potential there. It's just maybe more so projects might take a little bit longer, but if some of these guys develop into, you know, power five players and starters uh, at some point in their career, I think we'll look back and say, okay, maybe, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the over, it's this class reaction is an overreaction, but I think you'd feel a lot better about it if some of these guys that uh, you are that are lower rated that you they kind of hit on into more. Absolutely, I, I think you look at it star rating wise. Um, there, you know, you look at their average composite, which I think is you know just an aggregate of all of their star ratings. Um, and using that formula, Wisconsin's in a, a decent spot. They're actually not too far off of where they have been here recently. Um, just a very small class with 15 commits, which is going to drag that down. But one of, one of the more interesting storylines to come out of uh, signing day was just um, the SEC continuing to, to kind of dominate things. You, you look at it, in, they had um, the, every single team in the SEC, which it is partially due to geography and, and where talent is located. But Every single team from the SEC ranked ahead of teams like Wisconsin, Nebraska, Utah, Baylor, Virginia Tech, like teams who you would think would be a little bit higher, but you saw Vanderbilt um, and some teams who normally aren't you know, great at recruiting um, doing well, in it. and basically the entire SEC was inside the top 30 classes, which is basically half, which that's, that's uh, something that kind of shows a little bit about what's going on across college football right now. Yeah, it's wild, especially when you look at the SEC. Has had a, it had a crazy weekend this past weekend. You had the the situation at Auburn going on. You had you know you had some turnover with Brian Kelly at LSU, uh, Alabama defensive coordinator getting a DUI. There's a lot going on in the SEC, but they seem to still be stable in that recruiting front, and, and that's of course huge. So yeah, that is certainly something that stands out especially when you're expected the, the Blue Bloods of the SEC to be ahead. But, you know, the smaller schools, Vanderbilt especially, uh, a team that has struggled year in and year out in the SEC being ranked ahead 
um, is, is certainly not a great sign for the other conferences, and you hope that, that eventually some of those conferences will jump up and get some of their middle-tier teams um, in those higher rankings, similar to what Wisconsin did these last couple of years. But you just kind of have to work with what you've got at this point, and then right now you've got a class that national rank 44, and you hope it produces more than that, but time will tell. You know, you're, a lot, you're probably – uh, with most of these guys, you know, we've talked about it in the past that most of these guys are guys that are going to take a couple of years are need are going to need need some development. You know, Austin Brown, Aiden Vaughn, or maybe Curtis Neal. Those are maybe the guys that you look at and say those could have immediate impact. But even those guys, I'd say it's probably at least uh, a year. Maybe Aiden Vaughn, which him athletically could jump into to something at that linebacker spot. But overall, time will tell with this group because they're probably a couple. Uh, years away in terms of development to see what they've got uh, at the Power 5 level. Absolutely. Did you have a chance to to see Bobby Ingram's press conference introduction? I know that that's kind of uh, another major news item that kind of popped out from later in the week. Yeah, I, I was following it along on Twitter. I didn't get a chance to tune in and listen to it too much. Uh, <laughs> from what I took from it, uh, I know a lot of outlets were kind of sitting there scratching their head at, what they really gain from the introduction. I mean, of course, you have to have a formal introduction and, and questions. Up to the question portion of it, we didn't really get a lot, which I guess if you followed Wisconsin press conferences in the past, these type of things, you generally don't get a ton of information. I think Bobby Ingram is very well versed in the school, the, the Paul Christ school of not giving a lot away. And I know it sounded like a lot of that stuff, you know, in terms of him and the position coach and, and who would call plays, stuff like that. It sounded like it wasn't necessarily finalized, but I'm sure those conversations have happened, but didn't let on a lot to the media and the, the public, which is totally fine. You don't have to sit here and, and, and give every sort of answer because maybe those aren't figured out yet, but it was clear that there's not quite a plan. There's a plan in place. I don't know how concrete it is, but we know that Bobby Ingram is part of the staff. He's going to be part of the offense, and it sounds like they're kind of ironing out some of those final details. So that was really the only thing that stood out to me. and. I guess wasn't super surprised because that's just kind of the way Wisconsin football and, and the way they handle these type of things um, and, and how they kind of run that ship in terms of these introductions. Yeah, I mean, definitely Bobby Ingram, you, you could see that uh, he was prepped for this, very similar to what Paul Chris would come into a press conference with. Um, but really not a whole lot to take from it in in, in watching it. I, I think the main thing would would still be the uncertainty about what position group he's going to be in. I think they were always going to be intentionally vague about how his role in the offense in terms of play calling and whatnot. Um, but the the indecision so far of where he's actually going to be coaching and how he's going to be helping out with the position group, because I just don't see a scenario where he isn't coaching a position group. You're not bringing a guy from the NFL who's coached two position groups at, at various times to success. And, and not have him be out there as a position guy. But um, I think it really just hints towards there's still a lot of uncertainty with Gary Brown and his health. Um, we're hoping the best for him. But um, hopefully that kind of – they figure that out here coming into spring ball. They still got a little while before that is uh, officially going or anything like that. They just got winter workouts now. But but I think that's the, the major thing that I took from this was just the, the fact that uh, – Gary Brown's health still seems definitely in limbo, and that I think that's kind of the domino they're waiting on to figure out before they decide where Ingram's going to be actually coaching at this point in terms of a position group. Yeah, that, that's certainly a huge piece, and of course we wish Gary Brown the best. He's, if you've ever been around him, he's a very 
uh, I think a very positive influence on their running back room and, and certainly Braylon Allen uh, liked working under him and and hopefully he can recover and his health will be 100% and is able to go with this team. Uh, I know he's battled health issues in the past and hopefully it uh, nothing holds him out too long. But yeah, certainly that's an, that's a big uncertain piece that you might have to shuffle some things around depending on how that situation plays out. So maybe they're they're kind of waiting on um, that situation because Bobby Ingram, thankfully, you know, has been a part of a lot of NFL teams. Has worked in the wide receiver room, worked with the tight ends, and and really is a strong offensive mind. So you can get away with maybe having him just kind of sit back and, and wait and just kind of have influence over multiple different positions groups while you kind of figure that out. So overall, that was a yeah certainly a huge piece to take, and and we'll see. Uh, I, I'm just excited that they finally got this piece hired. There's a there's now that brain power in place. They can get to work on on the offense. They can get some things changed, and then now they can kind of. Once they get that situation figured out, they can kind of figure out the recruiting side as well. So that's still something that they're kind of waiting on. You know, now that they've got the offensive coordinator, you had to have that first before you kind of got into some of that recruiting stuff. Hopefully, they can get that staff kind of finalized as well, and then I'll, you know, move forward and, and all all gears ahead towards uh, next season and, and getting this program built to where they want to get to. And Bobby Ingram was a huge piece and uh, a nice start for that. Absolutely. All right, up next we've got the Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl. Wisconsin had some players active this past weekend, fared fairly well, I would say. Uh, overall, when you look at you know, the two of the top players in this group, of course, Jake Ferguson and uh, Jack Sanborn, I thought Ferguson looked pretty good. I saw some highlights on Twitter. He had a nice catch from Kenny Pickett for a first down. I think his stock definitely rose up a little bit. Jack Sanborn in the East-West Shrine Bowl forced a fumble and recovered one. Um, in their win, so he played really well. Of course, you had Matt Henningsen, Josh Seltzner in the game. I don't believe Henningsen recorded a, any stats or anything like that. And then Jack Cohn was also a part of this group as well. So fun to see those guys out there one more time. Not all, not surprised at all that Sanborn and, the, and Ferguson were the guys making plays, but what did you make of some Badgers in action this past weekend? Yeah, it was it was nice to see Ferguson go out and, and play as well as we have seen him do in the past. Three catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown in the in the Reese's Senior Bowl. I, I thought that um, that was really good for elevating his draft stock. I think he's a guy that if he runs well, um, he, he can easily sneak into say like the late third round even um, just based off of you know his athletic ability, what he can do as both a, a, a a pass catcher and a blocker. I know uh, the, the running joke earlier in the week after uh, uh, a pundit shared that uh, he was an inline tight end, um, but you you see that he has done a lot of receiving with the Badgers. That's what his bread and butter is. It took a long time for him to get to where he was as a blocker now, and so I think he's a guy that could really jump. Uh, it was nice to see Sanborn. Um, Seltzner also get out there and, and make some plays and, and see some playing time. So overall, I thought it was a great weekend for the uh, former Wisconsin Badgers on their way to the NFL. And, and I, I think the, their, the pro day is going to be big for these guys, especially with, in terms of speed. When you look at uh, Sanborn and Ferguson, that's, that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, I, it's not going to nearly matter for a guy like Seltzner. I think uh, his strength numbers will wow people. And, uh, and whatnot, but I do think that's how Sanborn and Ferguson run based off of having a good week of practice, a good game, um, but then backing it up 
not only the tape with, with their measurables and their ability to run is going to be important. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you look at Jake Ferguson, that's maybe the one thing that you're you're kind of waiting on. You know that he's got you know, uh, some good hands, good route running, ability to block, and, and can do a lot of different things for the tight end room. Speed will be the thing that, yeah, teams will, will certainly be looking for. But I think overall, as of right now, he's a guy that's really improved his stock, and, and that will be um, one of the things that either helps further it even, you know, along even further or, or maybe drops it down. But either way, I think Jake Ferguson's going to be a guy that will be a, a mid to late round uh, kind of steal where all of a sudden you're going to have a, a high quality tight end that has the ability to block, has the ability to go out, you know, go down the field and, and make some catches. So I, I think he's going to be a nice player at the next level. Excited to see where he goes. I think there's a lot of situations that if you've paid attention to any draft projections, things like that, a few teams that they've thrown out there, um, would be nice to see him play for. Jack Sanborn as well. I think will be you know a mid to late round steal. That'll be uh, the speed will be important to see if he can you know continue to be up there or if he's maybe a little lower rounds. But either way, he's going to be an inside linebacker um, at the NFL with a ton of of playing time <laughs> for for uh, and and a ton of tackles, a ton of stats. I know sometimes maybe the, the measurables don't add up to some other players, but the stats can certainly speak them for themselves. And and then the other guys. Seltzner, we'll, we'll see where he ends up. I think certainly a guy that could be um, in position there. And then and Matt Haddington's still a, a interesting situation to watch because, again, a guy that's so smart, I think so underrated. I'm, I'm hoping that he gets a, a fair shake at the NFL and gets a chance because he's a guy that I think can, can wow people if he gets a shot. Yeah, I, I, I think Haddington will get drafted um, just based off of he, – he's a guy who I think he is really athletic for his size. And you mentioned the brains he's got going on. But he's the guy that he he made that freaks list um, by the athletic for a reason. He is a really good athlete, really strong, and uh, he's he's somebody that they put on the field right away as a redshirt freshman, and he's played ever since um, in and out because of some injuries here or there, especially in 2020. But beyond that, I mean, the dude's been rock solid and, and a huge contributor along that defensive line. Yeah, it's a great point. That freaks list was there for a reason for sure. All right, up next, we just talked a little bit of Jake Ferguson, so why don't we transition that into the tight end room? Because, of course, that's a big departure in that room, and Wisconsin will be looking to replace that with somebody on this roster. And you look back at this past year, we'll, we'll start there, and then we'll get into next year. And, of course, Jake Ferguson, I think I think he had a good year. I know the potential for him was certainly there to have an even bigger year, but I look at that and, and – I think that's more so the quarterback play, that you couldn't really get Jake Ferguson as many touches as you want. He was a guy that I think should have had the ball in his hands as often as he could, but sometimes, you know, there's missed throws, just not getting him open and and situations where it just was kind of out of his control. But I still think he had a a really good year considering the circumstances. And, And he had a good year. I think the guys behind him, you know, Jack Eschenbach, when he was out there, was able to go. I really liked what we saw from Clay Cundiff before that injury. And then you've got the the whole the next group, kind of Cam Large, Jalen Franklin, Hayden Rucci, guys that are still on the come up. But overall, I think this tight end room did what they could considering the circumstances. I know there was times where they were really banged up and didn't have a ton of bodies, but they had some depth there. So what did you make of this past year for this tight end room as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I, I think looking at it, you got to start with Ferguson because he was the heartbeat in, in a lot of ways outside of the running game of the entire offense because he helped you out not only as a blocker but also as a receiving threat. Uh, and he was probably the Badgers' best and most consistent receiving threat all year long. Um, I, I think he was kind of a victim of Wisconsin's passing attack just being fairly inept. And I, I think 
it, you look at it, I, I think that falls on a lot of different shoulders. But um, number one, I don't think you can really put a lot of blame on Jake Ferguson because no. um, he he played his heart out and he was open. He, every time that the ball was near him, he was he was hauling it in. Um, and and so I think he would have liked to have had a little bit better year. I mean, you look at his numbers from that seven game um, season back in in 2020. He had 30 receptions for 300 yards, was averaging over 10 yards reception for touchdown. Um, then in you look at the other three years in double the games, and he really wasn't able to to have nearly as many yards. Um, just 46 receptions for 450. Um, you double up that 2020 numbers, and, and he's looking at 600 yards, you know, 60 receptions, totally different campaign. So I think that's what you would come into the season hoping. And, and like I said, I think he was just a victim of Wisconsin's scheme, um, quarterback play, offensive line play, receivers, just everything just kind of falling short in a lot of ways. Um, but behind him, yeah, I think that Cundiff would be the name that you would look at and say, okay, he had a, a pretty good year in, in small flashes. Uh, you like what you saw from him. You hope that you could see him come back healthy and, and, and make some plays as well. I mean, you, you look at it, and he, he was your fifth leading receiver, um, and he had three receptions. So um, that speaks pretty big volumes about the passing game. But I do think between him and Eschenbach, those are your, probably your two top two going into the year, I would think, and, and probably the guys that, that played the most when they were healthy. Um, but the health of the tight end room has got to be something they get fixed because they had so many guys that were down throughout the year. I mean, Koldakovich was out the entire year because of the injury, but then you had Rucci go down with an injury, Large go down with an injury. Um, you had Eschenbach in and out of the lineup, Clay Cundiff go down for the season late. Um, so, I mean, it was walking wounded there for a long time. Wisconsin had to go to offensive linemen to tight ends again. Um, I, I think Jalen Franklin showed a lot um, as a guy who could give you something as a blocker as well. Uh, I'm still scratching my head over that move in general to, to sh- shift him over to the tight end room. Um, but this upcoming year is going to be big for a lot of these guys because um, they're they're all kind of sandwiched in that junior-senior um, um, area. You know, Eschenbach and, and Franklin are both going to be seniors. You've got uh, Rucci, Cundiff, both going to be juniors next year, eligibility-wise. So we've got a lot of guys who, who've played some football, dealt with some injuries, and it's going to be who can rise to the top and, and take those snaps because it's a lot to make up for what Jake Ferguson brought to the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Jake Ferguson brought a ton, and, and Wisconsin as a whole has relied pretty heavily in the past on production from the tight end room. You've got to be able to block. You've got to be able to get open and, 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 and catch the ball as well. I mean, there's a lot of times where Wisconsin's had some great tight ends, and especially with this new scheme, you're looking at Bobby Ingram and that influence he's going to bring in, a guy that coached an, an all-pro tight end in, in Mark Andrews and, and has had some really strong you know concepts to get that, that tight end room open. So guys that are going to be coming in here are going to have opportunities to, to make an impact in this offense, and you're looking at it. Jack Eschenbach is a guy that we've always been high on since early in his career. He's really came on strong and I think could do more for you. Clay Cundiff, I think what we saw from him last year really stood out. But, of course, that major injury, who knows where he's going to – hopefully comes back great and strong and and looks like he does before. And then you've got the rest of them that we've been talking about. um, Guys like Hayden Rucci, I know he's more of a blocker and has been in there and and banged up as well, but he's got potential – 
And then there's the wild cards. You know, Jalen Franklin, I, I agree with, with you, showed a lot. Can he develop into more? Because right now, again, that that move at least looks a little head scratchy. Uh, but hopefully that, that he, as he gets another year to develop, can give you more. And then, you know, the Cam Larges, Jack Pugh, Cole Dokovich coming off an injury. This whole room has kind of got question marks that you're going to be looking to um, get an answer on. And, and they're going to need to do it quick because you don't have that ever steady, reliable Jake Ferguson to rely on this upcoming year. You're going to need some production from some guys that really haven't given you a whole lot outside of Eschenbach a little bit, uh, Clay Cundiff a very little bit, and, and, and both of those are minuscule compared to what Jake Ferguson gave you. So it's going to be go time uh, for a lot of these guys. Yeah, and, and some of the young guys, like I think a guy like Jack Pugh is, is somebody to watch because there isn't an established guy coming back that you're like, yep, he's a difference maker. He's going to be the guy. Like I would think right now you would say it's probably Jack Eschenbach is going to be the guy getting the first reps based off of how much he's played and, and what he can do in terms of his size. But but I think that Pugh is a guy that could flash Cam Large, both guys that, that could – come out of nowhere and, and grab a spot or Koldakovich coming back healthy um, what does he have in the tank what does he bring to the table um, because I, I think it's it's completely wide open in this room there's a bunch of guys you know the names that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have somebody that's going to be a difference maker in this room and, and I think they need that in this offense Wisconsin's built around having a strong tight end and they have for many years it's it just you follow you follow the lineage and it seems like each time Wisconsin's got somebody Who's going to be that guy next year? I think is a big question for this offense. That tight end will certainly be a fun one to watch for. I think in every every position that we've done so far, the established starter is they've got not a, not necessarily one there. So that uh, tight end room is going to be kind of falling in line with that, where you're going to have um, plenty of conversations and things to watch into the spring ball and fall season um, as, as you get ready for next year. That will be a room that will certainly have some competition in it and. And hopefully one of them can be ready to step up because you're going to need a lot of production from that tight end room. All right, that wraps up our football talk. Why don't we get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into some basketball conversations. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so this past weekend, Wisconsin basketball picked up a victory, not the prettiest one, uh, against Penn State, really that first half. I have to say, if you, if, if any of you listeners watch this entire game, <laughs> you are you deserve a big pat on the back because certainly on that first half, things were, were not pretty for either side. Um, you know, In the first half of the first half, Penn State was 1 for 20 from the field. Um, Wisconsin was 6 for 20, 0 for 6 from deep. Just neither team could could make a shot. <laughs> the defensive effort we can we, that well, that'll be kind of the other side of this coin is the defensive effort was pretty good for Wisconsin, but really there were some open looks for both teams. They just weren't falling. Wisconsin's kind of had that the last few games where they've had some struggles, uh, but overall picked up a victory, which again is the most important part. It wasn't pretty, wasn't easy on the eyes, but a win in the a, a, getting a win in that column against a team like Penn State versus a loss, what I think have been uh, is much more beneficial 
and certainly a loss there would have really hurt Wisconsin in terms of their resume. But what did you take from this game, and and what really stood out for you in this uh, kind of ugly back and forth contest? Yeah, I mean, they it was just a rock fight that first half. It was not pretty. I mean, I guess you could call it a brick fight just based off <laughs> the way that the two teams were shooting. I mean, at one point, Penn State was like one of 16 to start the game. Like, it was just absurd. Um, and Wisconsin just wasn't able to separate in that first half as, as much as they should have been able to. Um, I, I think really that was the story. Wisconsin was able to hold on in the end. Um, you know, a nice move by Tyler Wall to get that that final two points. But but the guard play by Badgers was um, and, and not Chucky Hepburn, but Johnny Davis and Brad Davison. Uh, that was the, that was the biggest story. And Wisconsin's then is just they really struggled. Um, they combined for 13 points. Those are your two guys that have been averaging about 35 plus points a game, and, and for for them to barely scratch into. Um, double figures was was tough to see. That um, I think you got to start worrying a little bit about those two guys a little bit, just because it's been a little bit of a trend. I know Davidson was shooting well for a while there, but back to back games where he's he's really struggling from three. Johnny Davis, that mid range game that we've seen hasn't been kind of what it was, um, and and that's got to be tough for him. Frustrating. Teams are really focusing on him. He's the top of the top guy on that. Uh, on uh, every team's scouting report, and and uh, Wisconsin continues to see other guys step up to try to help them out. I thought you you look at Stephen Crowell, Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall. If those three don't step up, they lose this game without a doubt against a really bad Penn State team. I don't know how else to say it, but Penn State completely flipped their roster. Like Wisconsin flipped their roster in a lot of ways, um, just because they lost a bunch of guys to. Uh, through graduation, um, but Penn State lost like their entire roster via transfer and brought in a bunch of guys via transfer, um, you know, who bounced up from Kennesaw State and um, Garner Webb and other places. And and I I don't think this was a game that Wisconsin should have had anywhere close. Um, the the second half they shot a lot better and, and that was nice to see. But but this is a team that Wisconsin should have beaten by a lot more. And um, I, I think that's that's uh, relevant because they have struggled the last couple games and and hopefully they've got a big game coming up here. Um, Hopefully they can get back into a regular uh, practice schedule because I know that it was, they kind of got messed up because of the Illinois game just based off of the next day they couldn't practice because they were stuck in Champaign, but, but they got to get shots up and they got to get some of their shooting woes kind of figured out because that first half was real bleak. It was real bleak for sure, and and I think what even you know being at home was I think something that really stood out, and and usually you see Wisconsin shooting woes, you know you look at uh, that Illinois game, they had some rough stretches. It's usually when Wisconsin kind of struggles like that, it's on the road, you know when you're on your home court, you expect to shoot better than that, and Wisconsin didn't, and that's certainly telling because now you're going to go back on the road with maybe in your head a little bit about your your ability to shoot the basketballs. Hopefully this you know past weekend and. And uh, today, before they get ready for this contest, um, they can get some shots up, like you mentioned, because this team certainly needs to um, start knocking some down. Because if you have those struggles against Michigan State, we saw it last time, Wisconsin kind of got ran out of the gym by them in the first half because they just couldn't really buy a bucket early and and struggled defensively. And and that combo really put them uh, behind the eight ball against Michigan State the first time around. And you certainly can't have that on the road uh, at Michigan State this time. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully they can come out and shoot better. 
it's it started to come around a bit in the second half. You know, he only scored 18 in the first half, so it had to be better. Um, I know you mentioned Johnny Davis kind of struggling. I, I agree with you that uh, he didn't have his best game. He's kind of going through a little bit of a slump, and we'll see how he rebounds. But other guys around him, Stephen Crowell, I know we've talked about it um, in the last few episodes, wanted to see him be a little bit more aggressive, hunt his shot a little bit. He was five for eight from the field, uh, three three-pointers. So he's starting to look like a guy that, and, and maybe it's just when he knows that the other guys are struggling that he's got to, you know, find his shot a little bit more aggressively. But I, I think he, when he plays that way, can really be a difference maker for this team. I mean, anytime you've got a seven-footer that can step out and knock down a couple threes, that's the added wrinkle that you have to defend, and, and that just gives you a little bit more uh, across the court that way and stretches things out. So I thought he was big and will be big uh, in this upcoming contest. And then the other, you know, Brad Davis and Johnny Davis, guys that you expect more from. They've carried you a lot this season, so there's going to be games where they have an off night. But I know both of them will say, you know, they're slumping a little bit and, and need to get it going. I know Johnny Davis said he was going to try and get some shots up after that game because he was – um, they were struggling. So hopefully both those two can rebound. You have to expect that they will. And hopefully this team, you know, kind of gets these cold shooting streaks uh, worked out before that uh, contest on Tuesday. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it, Davis and Davison have also been the guys that have been consistently on the court. Like, they don't come off much. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they played in this game 35 minutes. That's about standard for them. They're, they're playing up, upwards of that 40-minute mark. Um, the And – don't come off the court much. So uh, maybe it's a little tired legs. You're, you're, you're hitting the, the mid stretch of big 10 play here. Um, and it's, it's a grind without a doubt, but uh, like you said, Stephen Crowell, I thought um, in addition to those 13 points, he mentioned how well he shot. He also added five assists, which I, I think he has done a really good job of being a distributor when he gets post touches and, and uh, finding open guys, which I think is, is, is really uh the hallmark of, of Wisconsin big sometimes is you go back to a guy like Ethan Happ, Stephen Crowell, finding the open guy, understanding um, that he can make a difference even if he's not scoring. And and I, I still want to continue to see him be aggressive because I, I think he can, he's a guy that as he continues to get better, this offense is going to get much better because he gives them that inside-out presence because he – he does have moves inside, and he's a very skilled big man, can step out from three, but then he also is a, a very good passer. Um, you, you sometimes see it where big men have, have, you know, kind of fumble it with their hands, but he has really soft hands. He can do some nice things there. Um, and, and Tyler Wall, uh, consistently just a guy that doesn't get enough credit uh, just for what he does game in and game out. Um, the four turnovers were, were not something that I think he'd be happy about, but but overall, I mean, when they needed a bucket and you had both of your top scorers struggling mightily, uh, he he made the move, finished the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's the guy that you continue to say, okay, go to the basket, man. Keep, keep being aggressive. I think the Wisconsin bigs need to continue to do that, especially as you see the, the backcourt struggle at times here shooting. Um, and, and, you know, thank goodness for Chucky Hepburn stepping up as well. I thought he played really well. Yeah, I mean, I know Brad Davison kind of mentioned it, that there's going to be nights where they need the other guys to, to step up and carry this team. And while this game wasn't pretty, those guys, I think, did that. And, and hopefully that confidence carries over. You know, Chucky Hepburn, I think, from early in the season, you know, kind of struggling to get his feet under him as a freshman, has developed really nicely. Stephen Crowell, same situation, you know, early in the season, was kind of getting bullied uh, down low defensively wasn't really hunting a shot offensively. All of a sudden, he's really turned that around and, and played really well. And then Tyler Wall, of course, struggled early. You know, just 
you, you knew there was going to be more from him as he moved forward, and, and thankfully he's developed really well, worked through that injury, and is playing, uh, again, continues to play really good basketball. So at, at some point, all five of these guys are going to be, you know, catching fire at the same time, and, and you hope that it's kind of going forward here through this next part of the Big Ten schedule. Because thankfully, you got that ugly game out of the way against Illinois. You picked up an ugly win against Penn State. Thankfully, that loss in the, in the Illinois game didn't snowball to now all of a sudden two losses in a row. Then having to go to Michigan State, that win really, I think, helps you in that mindset of, of breaking, you know, not having a losing streak and then going to Michigan State. And hopefully you can pick up a victory because as ugly as it was, you've got to turn around now and get ready for a huge game in the Big Ten. I mean, these have you know, huge Big Ten standings implications. Michigan State got you last time. I think it was a game that Wisconsin tightened some things up defensively, shot a little bit better offensively. Certainly was a game that they could win, but it's got to be right from the jump. The first 20 minutes, you can't, you know, kind of fall behind and and try and play catch up because that's kind of what happened last time and and they just never got there. So hopefully they got all that other system and are ready to go against, uh, you know, a really talented and, and, and good Spartan team that's playing really well right now. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, this might be the toughest game they've got left on the schedule. I know Purdue is is probably a better team, but you get Purdue at home, which I think you have to feel more comfortable with. But you're heading to the Breslin Center, a place that you haven't necessarily always been great at. And just crap luck for the Badgers that they keep getting Michigan State coming off of a loss. You look at Michigan State got beat by Northwestern and came in hungry, took down the Badgers by 12 um, back in January, and, and just recently you saw Rutgers absolutely blow the doors off of Michigan State earlier in the week, so they'll be coming back hungry um, and, and back to Michigan State, so I, I think this is going to be a really tough game for the Badgers just because this this was a game that you you struggled with out Tower Wall before. You've got them back, but now mm-hmm. your backcourt is struggling a little bit. Can can they bounce back? I, I mean, I, I, I would bet on Brad Davison and Johnny Davis having much better games going into this game, but, but at the same time, I do think that the, just that bounce back um, – and hunger for for Michigan State is something that I that worries me a little bit because um, that was a big reason I think that they took down the Badgers last time um, outside of Town Wall and um, I, I think that the Badgers are going to be in for a fight come come Tuesday. Yeah, most definitely. Time is going to have this group. You know, I'm sure was was uh, getting on them pretty good after that Rutgers loss, which was really just kind of a blowout, not something you expected to see. And and even go back to that, they, their last contest before that against Maryland, kind of a tight game back and forth. I think played better in that one, but but still a tight game to the late end, and Maryland very well could have won that game. So I'm guessing Tom Izzo's got uh, this group ready to go for a huge Big Ten clash, and, and hopefully Greg Garden Company have uh, got some of these woes out of their system will be ready to go as well for a big one Tuesday night. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed us talking a little football and a little basketball. We'll, of course, be with you later in the week to recap that Penn, or Michigan State contest. We don't need to talk about that Penn State contest anymore. Uh, but as always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.